Those of you who've been coming for the last several weeks know that we were in a series called Freshen Up Your Faith. If you're just new or you're a guest today, uh, we've been talking about how to recapture our spiritual joy. You know, so many believers have been believers for a long time, and somehow over time they've lost that spiritual joy. They've lost that connection with God. And we just kind of sometimes get to the place where we're going through the motions. And there's not really any intimacy between us and God. And so we talked about how to recapture our spiritual joy because when we're just coasting or when we plateau, we lose that sense of relationship with him. We lose our spiritual joy. We discovered in the series that spiritual joy is linked to spiritual growth. See, the reason we lose our spiritual joy is because we stop growing. And God wants us to always to grow. Just like we marvel in the growth of our children and grandchildren, we want to see the next stage and the next step. God wants to see that in our lives too. And so when we engage in spiritual growth, the result is spiritual joy. We also noted that spiritual growth is linked to giving God glory. And we looked at probably over the course of the three weeks, six or seven or eight, different ways that we give God glory. One of them, one of the ways that we give God glory is when we praise him. And another word for praise is worship. So one of the ways that we give God glory is when we worship him. Now, we're going to talk about today formal worship. We're talking about when we come here to what we call the church, when everyone, the body of Christ, gathers together, and we're in corporate worship. When that happens, there's basically four parts to our worship, and there's singing like we've been doing, there's prayer, there's preaching, and there's giving. Those are all parts of worship. Paul had this to say about worship in Romans chapter 7, verse 6. He says, but now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What's Paul saying? He's saying, since Jesus died on the cross, was buried and resurrected, everything about worship has changed. He said, we're no longer bound by rituals and regulations and sacrifices and and." and and different religious uh, observances and holidays and all that kind of stuff. He said, you've been freed from all that. But we go back and we try to live that way again. Now we don't know why we don't have spiritual joy. See, he said, you are not to live that way. He said, you are to worship in the way of the Spirit. See, because back in the Old Testament days, before Jesus' day, the Spirit just occasionally came and was occasionally manifested on different people God had called for different purposes. But today, every believer, every person who has trusted Christ is indwelt by the Spirit. And what we need to do is let that Spirit go in us. We need to give that Spirit freedom to rejoice, and we rejoice with the Spirit. Basically, Paul's saying this. He's saying, get rid of your religion. And that's my challenge to you this morning. Get rid of your religion. Don't, don't come in and just go through some ritualistic exercise today. Don't just come in and do this because this is when we do that and do that because that we do that. And, and more worried about the fact that, well, I was here today and so that counts for something. Well, it, it probably does. But let it count for everything God wants it to count with. And God isn't interested in a religious experience with me or you today. He's interested in a relationship with you and me today and every day and all day long of our entire Christian walk. So he says, worship now in the way of the Spirit. I wonder if you've done that already this morning. Or have we come in and we're going through church, we're doing church, we're singing songs and hymns that we know. Are we engaging the Lord? Now, 
Let's talk about, because this is going to be a praise and worship service this morning. We're going to do a lot of singing to the Lord. So let's talk about that aspect of singing. By the way, a lot of people, they think, well, that, you know, that's just a cheerleading part. And you just come, and, and when that's over, then, then we really get down to what church is really about. No, it's not. Look what the Bible says, Psalm 96.2. says, sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. In other words, we cannot possibly sing to the Lord enough. Now, we need to do it here, but we ought to be singing to the Lord in our hearts all week long. Did you know that of all those things we looked at that are part of formal worship, that when we do when we come into church, only one of them will continue in eternity? Only one. And that is praising God, singing. The book of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 13 says, Then I heard every creature in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, singing. See, they're singing to God in heaven right now, and we'll sing forever. They said, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. We'll sing to God throughout eternity. He'll be with us and he'll be our God. And everything that we're doing now in expectation of that will become reality. But here's the great thing. We don't have to wait till the, the hereafter to enjoy God. And for us to be a blessing to God, we can do it right now. So what is this worship and song? Well, first, it's a time of communion. It's a time of communion. Psalm 42 says, my soul thirsts for God. Boy, when I read that, I said, is that true of me? Does my soul thirst for God? Or am I just going to church? Am I just going through a religious experience? He said, When can I go and meet with God? The psalmist David, in this case, he's saying, when can I go again? That should be our expectation. Sunday morning, I ought to be get up and say, oh, man, i got to go to church, and what time is it? i got to get the kids. Man, we're going to the house of God. We're going to be with God. God's going to be with us. It's a time of communion. It's a time when we reach out and we connect with him, and he connects with us back. And if we really engage in sincere worship, that's exactly what happens. And I've already seen it happen in some of you this morning as we've, as we've sung these songs. And, and, and some I could see that, that it was a meaningful exchange between you and God. But that's what it is. It's a time of communion. It's a time of cleansing. I love what it says here in Psalm 51, 17. Again, David, the psalm was saying, the sacrifices of God are a broken, what? Spirit. See? He said, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In other words, you know, God's not looking for things. God's not looking for actions. God's looking at our spirit. God's looking at our heart. And he says, a contrite, a sold-out heart, a spirit who's sincere, someone who's really connected with me and not just going through the motions. That's what I like. It's not animal sacrifices. It's not offering sacrifices. It's not all that. What really motivates me, God says through David, is to see hearts that truly are sold out for me. Later, Isaiah said, these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. See, that's what happens so often. And for a lot of us, it's just that we've been believers for so long, and we've been coming to church for so many years that it just gets to be the thing. But it's not the thing. It's a time of cleansing. And sometimes, often, I got to tell you, when I come, even this morning, as I was singing, I'm singing the Lord, I'm thinking, it was a connection. I'm thinking, God, I need to confess this to you. God, I I want to be pure before you. And sometimes it's not the message, even though we have a great preacher here. (laughs) But it's because 
we have a great connection with the Lord. And sometimes a sermon has, has no impact on a person at all, but it's the worship time that does. It's the worship time that has energized that cleansing. It's a time of community. I love this Psalm 122. One says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Was that how you came to church this morning? Did you get up and say, I rejoice. Let's go to church this morning. Woo! We have a great time. We're going to go to church. Psalm 95, 6. Look what it says. Let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. See, God has designed this thing called worship, not to be done in isolation, although that's an important part too. And we get to our prayer closet and we have our devotional time and we spend time with the Lord. But God knows that there's great power when we get together. There's great power. That's why he says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, the New Testament author says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Oh, it's so easy to get in that habit. We talked about that in that little series about freshening up our faith that when we lose our spiritual joy, so often it's hard to motivate ourselves even to come to church. And so many just kind of surrender to their schedules and busyness and the kids' schedules and this schedule and that kind of schedule. And God says, don't do that. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. It says, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day capitalized. What's that mean? The second coming of Jesus Christ. All the more as you see the day come. See, it's so encouraging. You know, it's a lot more encouraging when we have a lot of people praising God together than it is when we got two or three. Although Jesus said, when two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst. And that's a great time. Small groups are good too. But there's something about corporate worship. When we look around and see other believers, no, I'm not in this alone. See, it's also a time of celebration. It's a time of celebration. Psalm 100, verse 2 says, Worship the Lord with gladness. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever. <laughs> or, how great thou art. Sing with gladness. Oh, this is an amazing opportunity we have. Do you know people around the world would, are literally dying for this opportunity? Dying to have the opportunity to gather in freedom like we have today, to praise God. They're literally giving their lives for that opportunity. And we, it doesn't cost us anything. We just come today, give some time and attention to the Lord. Oh, listen, get rid of your religion this morning. Let's worship him in the new way. Let's stand and worship him again. So why should we worship? I mean, think about it. Why should we all gather in a room like this and sing a bunch of songs and, and get all excited about it and connect with a God we can't see? Why is this so important? Why should we worship? Let me give you three quick reasons. First and foremost, because God is worthy. Amen. That's why. God is worthy of us, our time. He's worried, wor worthy of us singing with all our hearts and being attentive and connecting with him. He is so worthy. Psalm 29.2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. It's not so much that God demands it. He's not egotistical. And he certainly doesn't need our praise to be reminded of his greatness. But that's his due. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. 
You know, so often in our culture and our songs and even our churches, we, we, we've brought God down to our level. And we, we, we sing personally to him, and, and that's great, but we need to remember that this is the God of creation. This is the God, when he spoke, the mountains trembled, the lightning flashed, and the thunder resonated. This is the God that, that when he just spoke a word to the people of Israel, they fell on their faces and they begged Moses, tell them to stop talking to us, tell them to stop talking to us. This is the God that right now, around the throne in heaven, the angels are singing, and the 24 elders, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Oh, he's due our worship. Psalm 145, 3, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. We can't even begin to get it. We can't begin to understand it. We don't even fathom who God is and his greatness and what he's done for us. We will be amazed one day when we finally stand with him and we see our life and how he connected with our life in such little ways that it was just went by us completely unnoticed. But over and over, day after day, God connects with us. He's so worthy. Apparently, Christian social media is abuzz because of a, of a statement a, the wife of a, of a very popular Christian leader recently said, and she posted this, do good for your own self because obedience to church and worship are not for God as much as for self-happiness. Do because God wants you to be happy. Oh, no, no. Worship will make us happy, but we don't worship to make us happy. We worship because God is worthy. I love what a pastor from Palm City, Florida posted in response to it. Steve Camp, of, he said, it's the old age of idolatry that's not about God, it's about us. True worship for the humanist is about how we feel at the end of the day, what gives us meaning as opposed to what gives God glory. He says, when we come to see men happy rather than God glorified, it's not worship. That's self-idolatry. That's self-worship. That's what makes me happy. Oh, we worship because God is so worthy. We worship because, as we just saw, we are so blessed. Because of what God has done for us. We are so blessed. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. He says, think about what I've given you. Jesus died on the cross so that you can have life everlasting, so that you can be a part of the eternal kingdom, so that you can live in the new heaven and the new earth. He says, I've given so much to you already but yet I haven't even begun to, as the Bible describes it, lavish eternal blessings and rewards on us forever and ever and ever. Oh, we are blessed now. And we are so blessed for what is yet to come. And we worship because others are so lost. I love this passage of Scripture in Acts 4.13. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ and 
the boldness to the original disciples came back and they began boldly to proclaim Jesus Christ. And I said, as those onlookers, as they watched on and they saw their boldness and as they saw their sincerity, as they saw their commitment, they weren't worried about people saying, oh, they're zealots or they're religious freaks or those, those Christ followers or whatever. They were bold for the name of Jesus Christ. And when those who were unbelievers around them saw their testimony for the Lord, saw their commitment to the Lord, saw their passion from the Lord, their conclusion was this, is these men have been with Jesus. Listen, when guests come, in, in many of our services, and hopefully all of our services, someone has invited someone who's an unbeliever, someone who has not yet fall, fallen in love with Christ, have not yet trusted Christ as their Savior, and when they come in and they see an old religious experience where people are just going through the motions, they're thinking, yeah, this is pretty much what I expected. Just a thing. But when they see people connected, when they see people who are really praising God, when they see people who obviously woke up that day and say, let's go to the house of the Lord. And they look around, they see people singing, some people raising their hand, and, so, and they see the excitement, and they feel the energy of the Spirit of God. They go, these people, they've been with Jesus. And see, it's often that that encourages them to believe that which they have not yet believed. And it's that that gives even more encouragement to them as they hear the Word of God preached and taught and sung, then that word begins to penetrate their defenses and the Holy Spirit of God begins to move in them because of what they've experienced in the community of God. They're so lost. They need us. Get rid of your religion. Get rid of your religion this morning. Make a pact right now. And every, every time you come to the house of the Lord, every time you engage in, in individual worship at home, make a pact that, that you're not going to go through some religious exercise anymore. But that this is going to have purpose. Worship in the new way. Not the old way, religion and religious ceremonies and practices. In the new way. Unleash the spirit of God in you.